Megan microphone test. Testing Emily microphone test. I have to go get my phone. Okay. I brought it! Not do this for two hours. It is too painful. Okay. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm very serious. Ah. So, um, Emily threw her back out, and we're recording anyway. Because we're glutton for punishment. Because we have to get done to a certain point before. Do you know how my day started out before I even threw my back out? What happened? I woke up at eight fifteen. I'm supposed to be at work at 8 o'clock. Oh, no. It was not a great start to the day. Nope. Oh. It didn't even push you into an upright position, or no. is this angle optimal? This angle is very, very good, okay. so. <laughs> um, hi, everyone. Um, <laughs> my name is... Nope. Welcome to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, covering The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. My name is Megan, and we're starting late because my meeting ran over by an hour. <laughs> my name is Emily. I should be packing. But instead... Instead... <laughs> we're making a podcast. We're making a podcast! I'm laughing because yesterday you were like, I'm going on a vacation. And I was like, what? Since when? How? Why? <laughs> and you're like, I told you. And I'm like, I don't think you did. <laughs> anyway, um, this week we are covering five chapters, though several of them are short. So we'll see how we do. We are chap... Cut to... We are covering Megan. I can do this. I can't help it. I'm funny all the time. Oh, we are covering chapter 39, heterochromatic. 40, Polona. 41, scars. 42, mere vapors. And 43, the ghost bloods. Okay, I have a confession to make of how stupid I am. Oh no, how stupid are you? When... Do you get you like a muscle relaxer? Or... Oh, here's the thing. One of the meds I'm on, I can't take. Oh, okay. I can't take like my my hydrocodone. I can't take ibuprofen. Oh no. So I could take Tylenol, but ugh, that's oh, Tylenol. It's basically a placebo. <laughs> um. Anyway, how stupid are you? When yesterday, I think I was more hopeful than stupid. We'll we'll okay. say it that way. When you read the chapter Paloma, I thought you said Paloma. And I got super stoked for half a second thinking it's an Adventure Zone crossover with one of the coolest characters. That's <laughs> so dumb. Uh, Paloma was the name of the cow bartender from my very first industry job, The Adventures of Puss in Boots. <gasps> That's adorable. Am I going to have to edit out the broad noises? Listen, they wouldn't have had to know I was stripping unless you said something. <laughs> Emily, uh, first brush, what did you think of these <gasps> chapters? These were so exciting. It gave me, okay, it gave me very Star Trek, original Star Trek vibes of like okay. adventures, like jumping in, not knowing what to do, but just bluffing the hell out of it. And it was so great. Shalom's very good at bluffing. I Love Shalon so much. I'm so glad. She's, her esteem is very high in my eyes now. I'm still 
super stressed out about it, but I'm having a good time. Because listen, after the boat murder, I didn't think you would ever forgive her. I didn't think I would either. But she's growing on me. She you. is growing on me. And I think she did a good job. And, and I wish I had half the composure that she did, but I do not. So, mm-hmm. so um, we're going to start with a bit of a downer. And it's a flashback to Shalon's childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dad, her father, is holding a feast. And pretending that nothing is wrong. Yeah. But, um, Shalon, why does Shalon know how much of this is show and how much of it is what they can actually because afford? Because she has started, she's, she's started becoming, like, a scribe for her father's house. Like, she knows their financial situation. She's the one that reads him his messages. Like, she, this, this, I love this back and forth because... She's just a woman and she needs to stay in the library and not do anything. But yet she's still like intricately connected to the going on of the household. And it's just so interesting because he needs her. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's one of the only reasons she's kind of getting semi-preferential, quote unquote, good or better treatment than her brothers. Yeah, she's the, the jewel of House Devar. That are pride above all others. That weirded me out a little bit because I'm just like, then show it. Then be nice to her. Four years ago. So she's 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And she's drinking stronger wine than Adolin gets to drink in the modern day. <laughs> she can hold her liquor. Father drinks violet. Ooh. Prepared in its strength. So Helleran. All you have is strength. <laughs> so... Helleran, uh, the chapter where we saw where he showed up with his shard blade, that was a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And six months ago, they got a letter from him along with a book written by who, Emily? The famous heretic, Yasna Kalin. Ah! And Shalon had to read the note to her father. I wonder if she... It sounds like she read him the whole thing verbatim, like she didn't try and hide anything because yeah. her dad got really upset about what happened and like beat a maid so badly that she still walks with a limp yeah six months later yeah nobody does anything at all to resist him shalon thought glancing towards her father we're all too scared like i don't blame them like what are they supposed to do like i feel like some people might go to them and be like you should have stood up and you should have done this thing i'm just Mm -hmm. like you weren't in their position you have no idea what it was really like and like over the course over the course of the dinner, her dad keeps trying to engage people in conversation, but the mood is just so It's rank. a downer. Yeah. At I'm every t- party there might be a lull where the energy dips. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you might be thinking it's late, we should go. And they ran out of chips. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't even stand as she touches his hair and i was a snake eat a cow anyway um bean girls the musical yay uh so but she notices that balat is watching one of the one of the guests yeah whomst it is uh the young girl of one of their guests the uh daughter of bright lord tavenar taviner i don't know how you say these but anyways they keep like Making eyes at each other. Like, it seems very sweet and very wholesome. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh, is this his wife? 
Is that who he ends up marrying? Do you remember his wife's name? No. I believe it's Alita. And they don't say the girl's name in this okay. chapter, do they? No. But I forgot he had a secret wife, too. He does not in the future. have a secret it wife. It was secret until it was revealed. <sighs> Listen. So rude. You are incorrect about this. <laughs> do I yell about Roswell having secrets? No, because they don't. They don't plan anything. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, well, this young teenage love has been interrupted because oh. father has an announcement. <gasps> yes. I This blindsided me. I was completely taken aback. He's taking a wife. I was so worried for half a second that he was going to announce to these people, hey, I'm marrying your daughter. Like, I don't know how much power he has. It mm-hmm. seems like he has more than they do. But I was so worried. Um... Uh, who's, who is it? Bright Lord Gevelmar is sending his youngest daughter. I'm just like, how young is young? How young young is she? Yeah, that's like, uh, uh, uh. okay, I'm trying not to get on a soapbox about this, but the idea of like political alliances, I think are great when you are like, I'm going to do this because I want to cement this alliance and you were the one who was mm-hmm. putting yourself forward mm-hmm. but when it's like a parent being like i'm going to use my child as a chess piece and not care about what happens to them yeah. ooh, it gets me and everyone's kind of like okay why does nobody speak father demanded turning around the room i have just become betrothed you look like a bunch of storming alethi we're vaden make some noise you idiots like He is, oh, it's so awkward. Like, so many times in this chapter, you can tell these people do not want to be there. But, like, they're only there because they're trying to, like, raise their own political stance. And it's just not good. So he's got gifts for all the kids, uh, daggers for each of her brothers. And then Shalon gets this um, necklace of fat, silvery links, Mm -hmm. uh, which makes me think of it's just a giant chain. (gasps) Oh. He's just giving her, like, a chain. Yes, I love it. he never shouted at her not directly sometimes she wished he would maybe then jushu wouldn't resent her so yeah it but that gets interrupted Mm -hmm. mysterious visitor at the feast so cool okay so it's this dude who has one light eye Uh and one dark eye and we find out he's the illegitimate son of the bright lord of their area or whatever so is eye color like hair color where if you have two parents with different hair color instead of ending up with like a mix you get like thick chunks so heterochromia is rare oh i i forgot that was the name (laughs) (laughs) hey it's the chapter title i know um that is how hair works okay uh kaladin has a passing thought in book one talking about if he had potentially married Laurel, Laurel, Mm -hmm. that their kids could have either been dark-eyed or light-eyed. So he could have had a child that outranked him if he had married her. So it was probably a surprise that this dude was. I do not know how, but the first time I read this book, I completely missed this guy. (laughs) <laughs> just he flew right by me i think i was well just... he seems like a lackey he almost seems like yeah. oh i'm just here for the plot 
but yeah, he's he's wearing the king's colors. He's wearing a maroon coat and his handful of servants in maroon livery come through. And he is here because there's some rumors. Oh, yeah. I, again, was there are so many things that surprised me. This is such a fun read. It's so fun. Um, there's a rumor going on that a light-eyed woman was murdered here. <laughs> and that cannot stand. Like, what's next? Regular people getting murdered? I don't know. Anybody could be murdered. <laughs> Just saying. I... It's taken them a long time to get to this point of, like, following the rumors and stuff. But it also surprised me because the dad has been has been put up as, like, this... Like, even though they're from, like, a failing house, like, still you would think you would stand on, like, you know, niceties, social niceties. But this dude just, like, barges in one night, like, an, an out-of-control detective who's about to have to turn in his badge and gun because he's going rogue. Ugh. Okay, so I picture this guy looking like Tom Hiddleston. Okay. I have no way of proving that. But I'm thinking, like, handsome, dramatic, just bursts into the table and was like, there's been a murder here and I'm here to see justice done. Justice served. Um, have you seen Crimson Peaks? Crimson Peak. Not all of it. I'd watch it with you. Okay, I'd watch it with you. Tom Hiddleston's in it. I know. <laughs> Just saying, you'd like it. I know you know. I've seen lots of it. I, I've you would used get the to ballroom see, scene for a lot of reference. You'd get to see a lot of him in this Emily, movie. What makes you think that's not the part I've specifically already watched? Oh, Thomas Hiddleston. <laughs> anyway, Shalon gets sent out with her brothers and they're all sitting in the other room and it's very awkward they don't they weren't explicitly dismissed and so they stay in the they just stay a little ways off off to the side yeah you're right and sorry they're not in the other room they're just the other on the other side and so they really want to know what's going on and shalon's just like i can hear i can hear what they're saying and she starts repeating this conversation that slowly you realize is so ridiculous she's making the whole thing up and she's like lifting her brother's spirits and oh i just i loved this sibling moment i loved it where like everything's awful and things are terrible but they have each other yeah so she she cracks a pun because uh, she's talking about plants and then she ends it with oh i will be relieved and she says it again relief and Balat laughs so hard, Father turns to glare at them. Mm-hmm. Um, she huddled down in her dress, grinning. Even Wickham, the older twin, cracked a smile. She hadn't seen him smile in how long? And then Shalon says, we should laugh more. Yeah. The Shalon starts cracking jokes to lift the mood, which honestly is my mood. <laughs> but then they compliment her for being clever and it starts freaking Shalon out. Yeah, she's not supposed to be clever. She's supposed to do exactly what father tells her to do. Yeah. But the the messenger is apparently not getting what he wants and they need the testimony of a light eyes, mm-hmm. someone who saw what was really what really happened. And her brothers are all like you can do it. You could, you saw it. Like, please say something. And she's like, I literally do not remember what happened. Like, I, I can't. Like, I cannot. Like, she could. I'm not going to say she could be their salvation. 
but she's definitely the like not even linchpin. What is, what am I trying to say? She's a very important piece. She's a keystone. She's a keystone. That's I want to I want to read exactly what she says. Okay. So, you could do it, Shalon. Wickham hissed at her. Father won't dare hurt you. Besides, you actually saw what happened. I didn't, she whispered. You were there. I don't know what happened. I don't remember it. And then mentally she says, it didn't happen. It didn't. Yeah. Ooh. And here's the thing. Um, because shame spring, spring up, I think from all of them, because no one is brave enough to go and say anything. And I'm pretty sure the messenger sees that. And he's just like, well, if anyone remembers what happened, come forward, you know, like, come find me. And I love this. So father and the, the one eye are yelling at each other. And then the messenger gave father a look of disgust, a demeaning sneer. It said, I am a bastard, but even I am not as low mm-hmm. as you. Yes. Dang, I like this guy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Can we just call him Tom Hiddleston for now? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, they all they all flee the room. Oh, wait. What? I thought of the, the main actor from House of Flying Daggers would also be a really good fit for him. It's too late. Remember. You already said Tom Hiddleston. My brain has okay. forever cemented Bye. that. It's fine. All right. So, everything seems great at Shalon's house. Yeah, no no worries here. All right. Well, let's talk about Polona. Emily, read me. Fly Polona. Fly Polona. Okay. Epigraph. That they responded immediately and with great consternation is undeniable, as these were primary among those who would forswear and abandon their oaths. The term recreance was not then applied, but has since become a popular title by which this event is named. From Words of Radiance, chapter 38, page 6. Ooh. Ooh. See, I want to go thinking, why? Why are you making me read a book where I'm like, now if I do all this research, I'll learn all these other cool things. Are you thinking that you'll look at all the epigraphs in order? Yeah, like I want to read it all in order. Brandon, could you please write the actual... (laughs) Write me my own personal copy of the words of radius. Yes, yeah. So, uh, we learn a little more about our brand new buddy, Sabariel. Sabariel. I love him. Yep. I... Love him. Okay, one of the things Shalon realizes is that, and Meg, you kind of touched on this a little bit in the last episode, Mm -hmm. is that Yasna's notes are very out of date. And she's realizing that this Sabariel is not what Yasna originally thought, that he had maybe even fooled Yasna. That he's a a smart, smart dude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because um, he doesn't go out and fight. He pays the fines for avoiding the war you know, like that Dalinar, you know, has imposed. And instead, he is the one who is building the economy. He is the one who is, you know, implying mills and growing things. And like, but slowly, like smart enough that like people aren't going to realize what's happening until it's too late for them to do it, not do anything about it, but to catch up with him. Uh Like, I love him. Yeah. (laughs) But here's something to point out. Uh, as they're riding in the carriage, he says that Shalon has changed. Oh, yeah. That she looked much older. Her dress was more vibrant. Mm-hmm. And then he says, it must have been the light. Mm. Literally. Literally it was. It was. <laughs> she was light weaving back at the, at the thingy. <laughs> so 
Yeah, he's the guy who runs the best marketplace and he's made his war camp permanent structure. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, this is a temporary camp. He is investing in like his city. He says, I have the most complete force of tailors, artisans, and cooks in the camp. Already, I've set up 12 manufactories, textiles, shoes, ceramics, several mills. I control the glass blowers as well. Like, hey, who makes currency? <gasps> the sphere people, yeah. the glass blowers. Oh. So he basically owns the mints, the, the money making. Operations. I am so impressed with this person. He, I, oh, I just, I really enjoy it. And the more it goes on, the more I like him. Like, his, all his interactions with Polona. Uh-huh. I loved it. Uh-huh. Who, uh, tell me about Polona. Who Polona is she? Polona is amazing. She has, she's short, dark curly hair. And so Yasna, or sorry, uh, Shalon thinks that she would be North El... Wait, was it North Alethi? Uh, she finally realizes that she is probably her Dazian. That's that's what it was. Which is what Lopin is. Yes. So is she one of the cousins? Maybe. Maybe! And then there's something specific that marks her as a Herdazian. It's her nails. Yeah. Her nails, She's... her fingernails with a rock-like cast to them. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe and she's one of Lopin's cousins. I would love that. I would love... If Shalon got in on Kaladin's, not turf, yeah. but like became friends with Lopin and Kaladin is like, stop being nice to her. Why is Polona? Okay, so Polona is the mistress that Sabariel was joking about earlier. Yeah. And why is she his mistress? Because she won't marry him. She won't marry him. <laughs> but they're in love and they're a couple and mm-hmm. she runs his household and everything and she calls him Tori, which I is cute. That's his that. name. And here's the thing, like, she and Shalon get along famously. Like, they almost seem to be like, we're going to be friends, you know? And here's the thing. A lot of, throughout these next few chapters, it kind of feels like Shalon kind of gets everything the first time and she doesn't really have to work for stuff. I mean, she's worked for it. But I'm saying, after all the terrible stuff she went through with the boat and, you know, almost drowning and going across the plains with uh, Tavlakov and everything. I think she deserves everything she gets. I don't think it's too easy or anything like that. She's just like, oh, yeah, I have 18, you know, soldiers and five five slaves. slaves. And Polona's like, okay, great, I'll find him a place to live. Like like that. Like yeah. it's it's so easy. And I was like... Thank you. <laughs> they are going to be paid out of Shalon's um, three bromes a week. Yeah, that she gets from Sabario, which, okay, Shalon said at the war council, you know, that he would pay her these three bromes a week. So she's like, um, I did kind of bully him into taking me in. And I implied publicly he was going to give me a very generous stipend. Too large a one, the voice said from inside. Is he standing in there listening? Shalon asked. <laughs> He's good at skulking, Polona said. Here's something, though, as Shalon's getting led to her rooms. They were all white and richly furnished. The hard stone walls and floors softened with silk hangings and thick rugs. She hardly deserved such rich decor. I suppose I shouldn't feel that way, Shalon thought as Polona checked the closet for towels and linen. I'm betrothed to a prince. Still, so much finery reminded her of her father. The lace, jewelry, and silk he'd given her in attempts to make her forget about... Dot, dot, dot. Mm. Other times, dot, dot, dot. Shalon blinked, turning to Polona, who was speaking about something. Ooh. 
one of Shalon's biggest trigger phrases is red carpet once, once white. white. So there are a lot of white furnishings in her father's house mm-hmm. as well. Um, I love that. I thought that was that's just really good. I'm excited. Not excited. Okay. I am intrigued to see what will happen when Shalon finally, like, loses it. And, like, I feel like it's going to be a big burst of power like you know someone discovering their mutation for the first time or whatever you know and like causing a disaster or something (laughs) but um i loved that she was so upfront with polona like oh yeah i'm engaged to adolin colin yeah but i was going to be too stifled so i came here instead like is just straight up truthful about what she's here for Welcome to civilization. I trust you left your club and loincloth at the door. Let me set to finding you a maid. The short woman started to leave. Polona, Shalon asked. Yes, child. Thank you. Polona smiled. Winds no, you're not the first stray he's brought home. Some of us even end up staying. She left. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Ugh. And it's so interesting, like, the, the idea of Yaakoved versus Alethi, because... And I mean, I don't know if this was just a uh, Shalon's dad thing or if this is actually like a, a Vaden thing, but the idea of the, the woman staying locked away, but only brought out when, when something is needed Yeah. versus Polona is in everybody's business and is just running things. Mm-hmm. And I just, mm-hmm. I like that. See, so yeah, a nice little short chapter. Uh, let's move on to Scars, chapter okay. 41. Emily, read us the epigraph. All right. This act of great villainy went beyond the impudence which had hitherto been ascribed to the orders. As the fighting was particularly intense at this time, many attributed this act to a sense of inherent betrayal, and after they withdrew, about 2,000 made assault upon them, destroying much of the membership. But this was only nine of the ten, as one said they would not abandon their arms and flee, but instead entertained great subterfuge in expense of the other nine. Hey, so there was the trail, a traitor, a betrayal, my favorite thing in the world. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> You're so infuriating when you do that. You darn well do know. Rachel. Ugh, I hate this book, Brandon. Why did you write it? <laughs> Stop that or I'll make you laugh hard. And no, don't do that. Ready? No. Ready? Ready? Vanilla pudding. (laughs) (laughs) I have great power and I use it for evil. So evil. All right. So, uh, Kaladin is hanging out with uh, Bridge Bridge 17, 17. who is basically new wet behind the ear recruits who are, you know, just, just don't know how to be soldiers. Um, but they're there, you know, they're there willing to, I guess, willing to learn. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like it's, it's so weird to see characters. Okay. Let me see if I can explain this. It's a little weird to see these characters who are so unskilled when I'm just like, but Kaladin and Bridge 4 were just like that. I mean, that's the whole point of going down and training. I get it. But it's just, it's great every so often to get a reminder of where we've come from and what Kaladin and Bridge 4 used to be. Uh-huh. He uh, starts to talk to Teft for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to flag something for you. I'm ready. Where were you the other night? Kaladin asked, looking up towards the crack of open sky above. 
I was off duty, sir, Teft said. Went to see what I could find in the market. Do I need to report every little thing I do? You went to the market, Kaladin said. In a high storm? Time may have gotten away from me for a breath or two, Teft said, looking away. Kaladin wanted to press further, but Teft was entitled to his privacy. They're not bridgemen anymore. They don't have to spend all their time together. They'll start having lives again. Yeah. Which is so sad by the end of this chapter. Yeah. With what Kaladin does. And we'll get to that. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so so he turns the the training time over to Bridge 17. Um, and then he starts to talk with Syl. And I always love the Kaladin Syl talks. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, they are talking about the assassinate wife. Yeah, and specifically why Kaladin wants to beat him. And he gives very good reasoning but still kind of like out logics him mm-hmm. a couple times and really making him dig deep and be like no why Ugh. and everybody's asking questions especially sigzil mm-hmm. who's you know namely is like okay why did the parshendi like how did the parshendi get a shin assassin a shin assassin who is a surge binder and, and the, the yeah. shin are notoriously xenophobic yes yeah so they're they're trying to figure out they're trying to reverse engineer what Zeth did. Mm-hmm. They're they're back to their experimenting with stormlight times, <laughs> um, and Kaladin's trying to figure out if he can use the same moves, the same sort of uh, stuff that Zeth did, <laughs> and is like he flew at the end. He flew, and this is when you're like, was was Zeth a friend? And it's like no, he wasn't. But ha, Lopin said from his rock perch. I knew it. Why don't we have this all figured out? The king of all Hordaz, he will say to me, Lopin, you are glowing, and this is impressive, but you can also fly. For this, you may marry my daughter. The king of Hordaz doesn't have a daughter, Sigzel said. <laughs> he doesn't? I have been lied to all of this time. I love I love their banter, everybody's banter back and forth, because they are friends now, and it's just heartwarming. Sigzel and Sil are now talking to each other more, mm-hmm. which is really fun, but... um. Guess what? Rock just picks a whole crab a off whole the ground. A whole crab and just pops it. it in his mouth and... Ugh. He has very strong teeth. Ugh. Yeah. Listen, eat what you want, guys. That That's just the idea of the shell and the teeth. It's just too much. Uh-huh. And now they're thinking about the... <laughs> Sorry. Why are you laughing at me? I'm in pain. <laughs> just You just made a little face like... <laughs> You had a very blue steel face. (laughs) So I'm lying in the lazy boy, like, tilted over to one side. This is, like, the only position I'm in that doesn't hurt too bad. And Meg just laughs at me. So there's a giant pet bed on the floor. Mm -hmm. The dog is taking up half of it. Mm -hmm. And the black cat really wants to lay down in it. Yeah, I know, buddy. (laughs) I know. And he's gone up to sniff the dog a couple times and then just walked away. (laughs) And so the cat has... Hi, Copper. Yeah, we're talking about you. The cat has um, decided that he'll just lay down on a towel that's on the floor. (gasps) Doggo, look, the bed's open. Go get it. Hi, Copper. Do you want to come up on the couch? Do you want to come up on the couch? Never mind. He wants to explore. So they start discussing the railing. All right, Emily. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We had the saddle strap being Mm -hmm. cut in the first book. Yep. And it didn't do much, but it was Elokar who did the saddle strap. Yep. Do you have any thoughts, any more thoughts about the railing? Because they've concluded 
it was probably a shard blade. A that shard did blade. It. Okay, here was my immediate terrifying thought: uh-huh. is that Renarin had done it. I, but <laughs> he didn't have a shard blade at that point. He didn't. So that's why I was like, okay, phew. But now I'm just. I'm laughing because in the first book, too, you're like, it's Renarin because he's the least suspicious. <laughs> so just hold on to that. Maybe someday he will. <laughs> no, I don't want him to be that. I'm just afraid that he's going to be that because we get Renarin in this chunk of reading. I'm uh-huh. very excited to talk about him. Um, but it's someone with a storm blade. And, you know, Kaladin's thinking like, oh, well, that like will narrow it down yeah. until someone's just like, was it Lopin? That was like, oh, if I was going to do that and I needed someone with a shard blade, I would I, as I have a servant, like, go let a rope down over the edge. Uh, the person would climb up, cut where it needed to cut, and then climb back down. And the person, the first person above would cut the rope and take it with them. So it could be anyone with a shard blade. So it doesn't really cut stuff down, like cut the number of suspects down. Yeah. But that's at least they're they're like <laughs> And it try- cuts the numbers of balconies down too. <laughs> that's true. I love that they're trying to reverse engineer a murder attempt. I think it feels very Brooklyn nine nine to me. Well, as they're all talking about this, Kaladin gets like the proper mental image. This reminds me a lot of Adolin trying to connect mentally with his shard blade. Mm-hmm. And he convinces himself that this wall is down. And he lands feet first on the wall. Mm-hmm. Lopin's like, run up the wall, Gancho! And he starts charging up and running up the side of this plateau. And listen, I want you to, like, imagine now he's in a cave with a very low ceiling Mm -hmm. as he's running towards, like, the exit, which is the sunlight. But he stops before he gets above the edge and still's like, Kaladin, you can do it! Come into the sunlight! And why doesn't he? Because he doesn't want people to see him and take this away from him. (sighs) Kaladin stared outward. Come out anyway. Stop hiding, Kaladin. Mm-hmm. B. I have to know, he whispered. No? You asked me why I protect Dalinar. I have to know if he really is what he seems still. I have to know if one of them lives up to his reputation. That will tell me. Tell you. And she turns into her full-size version. Mm-hmm. Tell you what? If honor is dead, Kaladin says. He is, Sil said. But he lives on in men and in me. Oh, here's the thing. That is too much pressure to put on one person. But if anyone could prove that Honor was not dead, it is Dalinar Kalin. That is one spoiler that you know is that phrase. Honor is dead. Do you remember the rest of the line? Honor is dead, but... No. Great! (laughs) Rafo! I'm glad if that feeds, if we finally get to that point in the books, you'll be. I'll be surprised. Okay. Oh, but he's, he's really struggling with Dalinar's connection to Amaranth. It's Mm -hmm. one of the things that's, that's like really holding him back. And he's like, uh, maybe we can give Dalinar the Knight's Radiant, but I'm going to kill Amaranth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kill him. And his Stormlight. Oh, Kaladin. I feel like I'm reading so much of the book in this in this chapter, but uh sorry, in this episode, but Kaladin, she said, hands clasped before you. Don't let this destroy you. It can't. Amaram already took care of that. Oh yeah. Cause this is not something that you can go to Kaladin and be like, listen, just let this one go. Like let this one thing go. Right? It's one thing. 
but that the one thing is what like brought him here like it's it it started the trajectory of his mm-hmm. life you know yeah because like maybe maybe you could say what happened to Tien wasn't Amaram's fault. Mm-hmm. That there's so many men he has to keep track of, of like the thousands in his army that, yeah, he forgot about the promise of this one teenage boy and his little brother. So like, and you could, you know, hate Amaram for that because his actions did lead to it, but it wasn't directly him. But the stuff with the shards yeah. and Kaladin's yeah. squad, like there's no doubt. There's nothing. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. I will tell you something interesting about Stormpod. Okay. There's one doubt through a lot of the first book. Mm-hmm. And spoilers for Stormpod, my favorite <laughs> Stormlight Archives podcast. But their unspoiled reader, Jack, wholeheartedly believed before he found out the whole truth that Amaram suspected Kaladin's abilities and sent him to the Shattered Plains to hide him among the bridgemen. Oh. And Jack got a very rude... Awakening. <laughs> I should also point out that Jack had the decency to cry when Yasna Colin died. She's not dead. Okay, Jack, you were fooled. I am so sorry. Anyway, I'm so sorry you had such a hard time, listen. and we're sad. <laughs> Needlessly, I am very sorry. Listen to Stormpod, who am I going to affectionately start calling our brother yes. podcast? <laughs> um, but I hope they don't listen to us. <laughs> oh. But hello to the Stormpod Discord. Hello! You guys are great. Anyway, um... I hope you guys are hungry for pie. <laughs> I don't think any of them are coming to the no, Dragon why still. why not? Because they're in Canada. Everyone on the Discord? <laughs> Stormpod Discord. I know this episode is coming out after... <laughs> But you are retroactively invited. Listen, listen. When we finally get the money together to bring Jack and Sean out to the 2024 <laughs> Dragonsteel Con, everyone who's on those discords will have a pie night. Can come to our house for pie night. Okay. All right. So, <gasps> Renard. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Emily loves this boy so much. It's physically painful. But, um, yeah, so our main bridgemen are headed out, uh, they're headed back from their training. <laughs> and, um, there is someone new hanging out by the fire. Yep. <laughs> who, who, who is it, Evelyn? It's Renarin. Oh, Renarin's here? Yep. And what does Renarin want? He wants to be a bridgeman. Sorry, let me try that again. He wants to be a bridgeman. Yeah. And I was, I was thrilled. I was so thrilled. He's so eager. He's so eager. He reminds me of, okay, hopefully I get his name right, Gareth from the Belgariad. I think that's him. Yeah. He's just like this eager kid at the beginning of his journey who wants to prove himself. And he like tells Kaladin, kind of like, not his life story, but... The cool part is he explains like, yeah, I have. Can we can we read a dialogue together? Yes. Do you want to be Renarin or Kaladin? I'll be I'll be Renarin. Okay. Uh, start with I'll start. You can't be in Bridge Four. We're bodyguards for your own family. What are you going to do? Guard yourself? I won't be a liability, sir. I'll work hard. I don't doubt you would, Renarin. Look, why do you want to be in Bridge Four? My father and my brother 
They're warriors. Soldiers. I'm not, if you hadn't noticed. Yes, something about... Physical ailments? I have a blood weakness. That's a folk description of many different conditions. What do you really have? I'm epileptic. It means... Yes, yes. Is it idiopathic or symptomatic? Uh... Was it caused by a specific brain injury, or is it something that just started happening for no reason? I've had it since I was a kid. How bad are the seizures? They're fine. It's not as bad as everyone says. It's not like I fall to the ground or froth like everyone thinks. My arm will jerk a few times or I'll twitch uncontrollably for a few moments. You retain consciousness? Yeah. Myoclonic, probably. You've been given bitter leaf to chew. I... yes. I don't know if it helps... The jerking isn't the whole problem. A lot of times when it's happening, I get really weak, particularly along one side of my body. Huh. I suppose that could fit with the seizures. Have you ever had any persistent relaxation of the muscles, an inability to smile on one side of your face, for example? No. How do you know these things? Aren't you a soldier? I know some field medicine. Field medicine for epilepsy? How about epilepsy? For epilepsy? You had the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, so I adored this. This, this is the sort of okay. Here's the thing: Adolin's gonna be so mad when Kaladin becomes best friends with his little brother. This, this man who is so suspicious is has pulled the wool over his baby brother's eyes Uh and is taking advantage of this naive young kid. Adolin forgetting that Renarin is a fully functioning cosnet, a co- co- cognizant. cognizant adult. Thank you. Um, I'm not even on any pain medication right now. I have no excuse. And we find out that Adolin was part of a spear squad when yeah, he was younger. Yeah. Which surprises, surprises Kaladin. Oh. And Renarin is like begging. He's begging. I'm going to be in a war, but I've never felt what it's like to really be a soldier. Mm -hmm. And this has got to be so infuriating now that he has full plate and blade, but he's still not allowed. But here's the thing. If you're on a battlefield and you have, even if it's just for like a little bit, have a seizure, Uh you're at risk. And I guess that's that's something that you can take into your own consideration and decide if that's Mm -hmm. like... Uh, you know, something that you want to risk or not. But I don't know. I just, I can't imagine that Dalinar would ever let his son that he loves and almost has like an excuse to keep him back and keep him safe. Like, nope, you can't because of this. And I'm sure Dalinar maybe even in the back of his mind is like breathing a sigh of relief of like, at least I don't have to worry about that with Renarin. I mean... That's literally how he felt when they were on the tower. And he's like, at least Renarin's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to get eaten alive by the other high princes, but yeah. at least he's not on the tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, Renarin looked anxious, very anxious. He'd formed hands to fists, though Kaladin could see no sign of the box Renarin often fiddled with when nervous. Yeah, I love that. That he, he left his stim toy behind. His fidget spinner. Well, Kaladin agrees, and so what is the first soldierly task to which Renarin is appointed? He makes he puts him on dish duty. Yeah. Which this to me mirrored, you know, when 
when Zahel is training Renarin and being like, go jump off of a tower. Yeah. And Renarin's like, great, yes, I will do this thing. And Kaladin's like, go do dishes. And Renarin's like, yes, great, I will go do this thing. And the men are like, really? Really? Okay, so. They're nervous about they're it. They're very nervous about it. Because I loved when Kaladin first comes into camp and he just like looks around and he's like, something's wrong. And Kaladin, he was like scanning around. He sees his men, they're clumped together on one side of the fire, some seated, others standing in a group. Their laughter forced, their postures serious, their postures nervous. When you trained men for war, they started to use combat stances whenever they were uncomfortable. Something on the other side of that fire was a threat. And that's when Kaladin walks around and it's Renard and I'm like, ah! <laughs> um, Something that I would like to point out is so the men are all very uncomfortable as Renarin is taking away their dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kaladin mentions that it's the same sort of discomfort they had around Shen mm-hmm. when he first joined Bridge for. Yeah. So we've got someone coming who's socially ranked below the Dark Eyes made them very uncomfortable. And now someone socially ranked above the Dark Eyes. And wow, aren't they just the two perfect bookends for yeah. Bridge for? Well, and here's the thing Kaladin's just like, if anyone can fit in. If the light eyes can fit in anywhere, it's here. Like, like they're having to unlearn so many behaviors. And yeah. I just find that fascinating. Uh, somebody refuses to give Renard. Someone is so hoity-toity and high and mighty. Who is it, Megan? <laughs> Who is that stupid, stupid guy? My boy! <laughs> You're allowed to be mad at Moash for this. I am. So, so... <laughs> Here, here is the very first time you're allowed to be mad at Moash for something. (laughs) I was wrong all the times before. (laughs) Yeah, Moash is like, he's light-eyed. That should be enough. We can't trust him. Um, I find it... Sorry. Nope, you were... I was about to say, I find it fascinating. And we've talked a little bit about this before, but how much Kaladin hates the light-eyes... Moash hates them even more. Like, I I love that. I love mm-hmm. that we can see, like, that increase in that. Uh, I'd like you to conjecture. What brought Moash to Bridge for? Mo- Did Moash have any any brands or anything like that? No. No, he didn't. <sighs> I feel like if he's, okay, if he's going to be similar to Kaladin... It's got to be something like he was taken away from his family or like maybe Light Eyes came in and like took the land and like, like unfairly and like something that his family had worked very hard to obtain mm-hmm. um, and, and did something for the Light Eyes' own gain uh, that ruined Moash's life and maybe uh, ripped him away from the people that he loved. Yep. Well, we'll find out. All right. Oh, we forgot to say, yeah. while they're trying to figure out earlier how the person got out there to fiddle with the balcony, the balcony, Kaladin knows someone who was out there and who had the opportunity to do something like that. Yeah, but they didn't have a shard. He could have been the one to haul somebody up on the roof, on the... Listen, the theoretical rope. Okay. <laughs> Long story short, Kaladin... It's just, like, he has to consider everything. Like, he has to. And he's like, it 
Moash could have been a part of it. He was out there. And he really wants to ask Moash, like, did you do this? But he's just, he like, doesn't how? want to. What yeah. you say? Were you involved in a plot to kill the king? So, because Moash has no qualms about talking out about mm-hmm. how much he doesn't like the king either. Just, I feel like he and Caledon had a conversation earlier in the book. Was it, was it, yeah, they did. I'm trying to remember what it was. So give me a second to to go back near the beginning with bridge four okay they're on a path somewhere they're walking somewhere they're outside and they just met with dalinar it'll it'll take it'll take a minute okay don't google it emily i'm not googling it okay moash talks about like the reason why he was training is he wants revenge on someone yeah and uh have we Have we specifically said who Moash wants revenge on? I don't think so. Just a light-eyed? Okay. I don't think it's mentioned. Well, maybe we'll... Oh, it says... Moash is just giving Kaladin a hard time about not talking about things. And then Moash turns around and does the same thing. Uh, Where Bridge 4, Kaladin said, Like you said, your problems are mine. And then in italics it says, You know, he's thinking, What did the king do to your family, Moash? Like, I think Kaladin's worried that maybe the king had something to do with it. Yeah. I know they talked about this earlier in the book. <laughs> but basically, like, Moash has been working so, so hard. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, Kaladin, you came into this life because you've lost someone. And I'm doing this because I'm trying to get revenge on someone. Yeah. It was near the beginning of the book. It hasn't been, it. we haven't read it in a while. Listen, listeners, write in. Tell me what I missed. <laughs> Let's keep going. Well, everyone's going out to go have some fun. Yeah. But Kaladin does the sad self-isolation thing because he's sad that he, he can't have that life anymore. Uh-huh. He has to be on guard all the time and protect everybody all the time. Make no mistakes. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, oh, no, buddy. <laughs> balance, balance in all things. Oh, wow. Let's move on to chapter 42, Mere Vapors. Yeah. Like, give me that. Give me that epigraph. It says, but as for Ishi Elin, his was the part most important at their inception. He readily understood the implications of surges being granted to men and caused organization to be thrust upon them. As having too great power, he let it be known that he would destroy each and every one unless they agreed to be bound by precepts and laws. I got big Delinar colon vibes from that. (laughs) They will be required to do what is right. Yes. Oh, that was from Words of Radiance, chapter 2, page Mm -hmm. 4. Ishii is one of the heralds. Mm-hmm. That we've been talking about. I don't remember what he's herald of, but he's a herald. <laughs> All right. Uh, mere Vapors. What's Shalon doing today? Shalon is having a good day, <laughs> which she deserves. She's woken up in this pristine, beautiful place. And, um, oh, this this was interesting. Um so she, she's kind of slept through the day, but uh, Shalon rose and wandered into her sitting room. Ash's eyes, she almost didn't want to walk on the pristine white carpeting. What if she left tracks and ruined it? I feel like that's got to be a call to red carpet once white. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would agree that she's like, oh, 
I have a perfectly logical reason for not wanting to step on this carpet. <laughs> and we're all screaming, it's the trauma! <laughs> Um, but she and Pattern start playing spy because Shalon realizes that the span read in one of the trunks is blinking, which means Tin's contact is trying to write back to her. And she's going through all the other conversations uh, that that Tin had saved, these, these pieces of paper. And as she's looking through it, Pattern realizes there is literally a pattern that there are. Are, there's a very specific way to respond to this person. And Shalon is just like, oh my gosh, I almost ruined this whole thing. Like, whew, good thing, you know, that I have pattern. And as they go through the correspondence to try and figure out how to respond and everything, they are successful. So, you know, yeah. that's that's great. Um, and let's see, the conversation that they have is, let's see. So the, the people that hired Tin want to meet her. Because they're they're confused as to why Yasna Kalin's ward has arrived to the camps, and yet and Shalon's just like it's not important. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yes, yep, she made it out. But um, and so she, Shalon lies as Tin is just like I don't feel well, so I'm going to send my apprentice in my stead. Where are we going to meet? And so she sets it all up for Shalon to go and meet these people that are responsible for Yasna's death. <laughs> uh, I want to rewind to a little bit of a pattern conversation mm-hmm. where um, Shalon is trying to describe to pattern what taste is. Yeah. And then later on in the chapter, as she's trying to do some very specific things with her light weaving, she's mm-hmm. asking him how it is. And, and he's like, what she's like, what can we do with this? And pattern says, whatever we imagine or whatever you can imagine, I am not good with what is not. But I like it. I like the taste of it. Mm-hmm. So he likes playing pretend. Yeah. Pattern would write great fanfic. <laughs> but only all ages fanfic. No mating. <laughs> um, Megan, what does Shalon do with her stormlight? Eats it. Well, yes. Okay. Sorry. What? <laughs> I'm here doing the podcast with you at your behest. Uh, She uses it to light weave a transformation on herself. She actually takes one of her drawings and creates a fake. She 3D prints a mask. Yeah, sure, I guess. She does. It was so cool because it's so detailed Uh that it looks real. But this part made me laugh is I guess there's like a piece that either isn't detailed enough or she didn't shade it right it's like on the nose like off to the side and it bugs the crap out of her and i'm just like yeah she's a true artist Ugh. but um apparently as as she's riding back and forth with the ghost bloods as they're talking about yasna Colin's ward who's mm-hmm. like escaped you uh she, it turns out that Tin has taken several apprentices. Mm-hmm. And that, Unlike. Yes. But that Tin's, uh, Tin's, oh my gosh, Tin's apprenticeships apparently all turn out badly. That she had sent an apprentice to do an errand with her before, and it just, it just hadn't gone well. It was like, what was the girl's name? C. C? Yeah, S-I. 
But she puts on a disguise, puts on some of Tin's clothes, because she realizes she can't go out. She looks like a dark eyes. I think yeah. she's even disguised her eye color. And she can't go dressed as she is, because people are going to notice. Um, so she can't go out looking like a light eyes, and so she dresses in Tin's clothes, and she sneaks off. With a glove over her safe With hand. only a glove over <laughs> her safe hand. <laughs> so, Emily, where does she go? She sneaks off. Into the night to go meet the ghost bloods. Ah! Can you read the epigraph for chapter 43, the ghost bloods? Yes, it says, And thus were the disturbances in the Rev Toparchy. Toparchy? I'm guessing it's like a monarchy, but instead of a monarch, you have a topark, whatever that is. (laughs) Quieted when, upon their ceasing to prosecute their civil dissensions, Nalan Elin betook himself to finally accept the skybreakers, who had named him their master, when initially he had spurred their advances, and in his own interest refused to countenance that which he deemed a pursuit of vanity and annoyance. This was the last of the heralds to admit such patronage. From Words of Radiance, Chapter 5, Page 17. All right, so in your notes, write down Skybreakers. Skybreakers. Heralds associated with the Skybreakers are? Annoying. The herald himself associated with the Skybreaker is? Nalan Elin. Yep. Nail. Nalon. Nalon Elin. Thank uh, that's you. The, that's the guy with the hood. Oh. And he's the Herald of Justice. With the, the lightning. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's Herald of Justice, and apparently he hates having followers. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so Shalon's going out through the... Shalon's going out through the marketplace. This was wonderful because I think kind of for the first time in her life, she's truly invisible. And so she's able to observe what's going on. And and Brandon does such a fun job here because at one point she like waits for someone to get out of her way and then realizes they're not going to do that for me because I'm not quote unquote a light eyes anymore. Yeah. And it's just fun to see the other side, to see her experience someone else's life so uh she goes to buy some treats oh my gosh i was just like no shalad what are you doing how could you have forgotten this (laughs) honestly (laughs) it's one set of berries on us uh it's one stick of glazed fruit how much could it cost a single emerald chip brome no she does not use an emerald are you sure she Looks an emerald mark. Yeah. What was the problem? Oh. It was just an emerald mark. It wasn't like she'd gotten out the bro. <laughs> but um, she's just grabbed something that is worth 250 times the cost of the treat. Even in her family's strained state, this wouldn't have been considered much money to them. But on the street, everyone's just like, what? I... I can't do anything about that. Yeah, so Shalon's very much like, my family was destitute. We had such struggles. And it's very much like in Sense of Sensibility where they're like, we will only be able to keep three servants and a horse and carriage and we may even have to share bedrooms in our smaller mansion. (laughs) And it's like, Shalon is very frustrated that she's making these mistakes. Mistakes that she doesn't even think about or register. That she's like, I should know this, but... Silly me. And um, the lady who runs the stand, uh, 
you know, is, is stunned by this, but Shalon tries to cover her by being like, oh, I also need some directions. This is paying you for your help as well. Yeah. And so she, she gets the, she gets the directions and everything. Um, but then she says, miss, I don't think that's the sort of place one like you should be visiting if you don't mind me saying. And Shalon's like, even as a dark eyes, people thought her incapable of taking care of herself. <laughs> I get very you vibes from her. Like, except I actually can take care of myself. But I hate when people, are, oh my gosh. So the dudes I work with, i sorry, I say dudes. The executive producers on my current show <laughs> have no way of knowing this. But my berserk button is when someone who's fewer than 10 years older than me talks about, oh, Megan, you're too young to know about this. <laughs> and in a meeting the other day, they're like, oh, Megan, you're too young to know about the Apple Newton, the personal device it was like a smartphone before smartphones existed i just had to be like you guys i had a palm pilot like you get that right i'm 33 <laughs> i <sighs> so yeah i feel you shallot on this but she's she is smart about this because she really she's just flashed a substantial amount of money and she's remembering the lesson where that's how Yasna got, you know, the thieves to come track them down. So she asks Pattern to make sure no one's following her, uh-huh. which is is smart. You know, she's she's using what she's got. Um, but she decides from her advice from Tin that nothing will teach you except personal experience. So here she goes. Mm-hmm. And this this whole this whole thing, it's so funny because they're they're. On the Shattered Plains, there's not anything around, like, they didn't come and invade a city that was already there, but yet she comes across this building that looks ancient, and she's like, it can only be five or six years old. And I'm just like, did they make it look this way, or is it just... Yes, Megan? So, these shells, these big craters that the war camps are built in... Mm-hmm. Those were there before oh, the war. There were ten. We did not soul cast these big craters. Oh, I didn't realize that. There may have been some buildings. Ten buildings? I don't know. There's ten circles. Some buildings. Oh, I'm asking because I'm curious, not because I'm mocking you. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. Each of these craters holds a war camp, so the craters are gigantic. Huge. I don't know what was held in each of them before. All right. Um, but like, she, what is it? Uh, let's see. She goes up and there's like a dude there standing guard. Mm-hmm. And so here we go. Um, sorry. She's talking about how, as she's talking to the guard, she's doing more examinations on the building. Mm-hmm. Um, the stone walls here had been cut. Who would go to the trouble to burrow out a basement for a rotting tenement building? The answer came as she noticed several extended creme dribbles on the wall. Um, a little like wax melting down the side of a candle. These had hardened to stone long ago, which lets her know this hole was here before the Alethi came. So when settling this war camp, the buildings up on top, the basements existed below. Oh, okay. So it's like um, old London or old Chicago. They have built on the top of something that was already here. Okay. And she goes into this terrible looking basement, mm-hmm. you know, just creepy, like 
like Shalon, this is the beginning of a horror movie. You're about to get murdered when she realizes there's a basement to the basement. And so yeah, it goes down. She chose down. <laughs> the basement had a basement. She stepped up to the edge of the hole and saw a ladder heading down toward red carpet and light that seemed almost blinding following the dimness she'd been in. And she realizes this place must flood terribly after a storm. Um, and she realizes, like, when she gets down into the room, a long dining table ran down the center, and it sparkled with glass goblets that had gemstones set in their sides. Their glow sprayed the room with light. Cozy shelves lined the walls, each laden with books and ornaments. Many were in small glass cases, trophies of some sort. Like, she steps into something completely different. There's one guy who draws her eye in the room. And I'm not going to read his description, but I'm going to say... Why not? Because we've been reading... We can't just read the whole chapter well, out I, loud. I know. Our... Just saying if there... I wonder if there's a reason why you didn't... It's you not important. Not to. It was like a... It's more important. It's more Well, I want to read his description. Okay. Well, then you read his description, <laughs> which is just the paragraph after you just stopped reading. Straight-backed, jet-black hair, he wore white clothing and stood in front of the room's crackling hearth. And she thinks... He reminded her... This is what I wanted to read! <laughs> so sorry, please go. He reminded her of someone. A man from her childhood. The messenger with the smiling eyes. The enigma who knew so much. Two blind men waited at the end of an era, contemplating beauty. But it's not him. It's not him. Nope. Hey, who's, who's that childhood... Reminder guy. That's not the heterochromic guy. Oh, it's not? I thought no. that's who it was. No. Uh, oh. This is a messenger with smiling eyes. Okay. The heterochromia guy was not smiling. Well, I, I feel like she thought maybe he was about to bring her freedom or bring them, oh, like, okay. a new future if he could only arrest her father. Well, I will let you know. It's oh. not heterochromia. Okay. Guy. Okay. All right. The dude fires a blowgun at her mm -hmm. just goes right past her head into the wall yeah and she uh she does her the thing she does when she's scared which is drawing up her safe hand mm -hmm. but then she lets it go and he asks tin sick tin's not well he's not happy that tin isn't there like, he's going to take it out on her. And basically, they have this whole conversation on why shouldn't I kill you and send a message to your mistress. And she's like, everybody has to start somewhere. If you don't kill me, then I have a chance to meet people that Tim probably would never have introduced me to. Like, she makes it through this. Mm -hmm. She makes <sighs> it through the wilderness. And she presumes to be of use to him. Yeah, she she talks about... Hold on, let me find it. Because um, he's like, I could kill you and I could torture... Or I could torture you to find out where Tin is. And she's like, why do you think Tin would tell me where she is when she knows that that's probably what you're going to do? Like, she uses logic against this guy. It's not just like, oh, please don't kill me. Please. Please don't kill me, Mr. Moist. <laughs> And so she is smart and she's using her 
natural abilities. She's using her cleverness. She's using all of these things, not to endear herself to him, but to intrigue him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because there's other people there. And I'm wondering, is this a Parshendi? Because, okay, listen, I know you say don't read the paragraph, but I've got to tell you, this is what, the short tan-skinned person had some kind of carapace mask tied to his face pulled tight. In fact, it looked like the skin had started to grow around the edges of the mask somehow. Um, The arrangement of red-orange carapace pieces was like a mosaic, giving a hint of eyebrows of anger and rage. Behind that mask, a pair of dark eyes regarded her, unblinking, and an impassive mouth and chin were also left exposed. The man, no, the woman. Shalon realizes it's a woman. Okay, so in a in the previous uh, interludes, when Esh and I changes, and there's the the really thin ridges under her skin, I feel like it's not Esh and I, but it's got to be a listener. Maybe. Maybe from another tribe? I have... I have a word of Brandon on her. (gasps) Should you tell me? I think I should. Okay. All right. People asked more specifically about her, and he says that's a hard thing to answer. This character has three planets she's from. For example, she's now living on Roshar, but then she's from a different planet. But that's not the planet her people are originally from. Oh! So she and potentially some of these other people are world hoppers. Yes! Listen, I know that's a spoiler. (laughs) I don't care. We're going to talk about the stuff that Marais has in here. All right. Well, that's intriguing because this just elevates the ghost bloods even higher. You know, from, from, I mean, they were scary anyway, but I mean, right now we've got like, we've got Vasher and we've got Wit and we've got all these fun people who are world hopping and now we're kind of running into like the scarier ones. Yep. I don't know that I like it. Okay. Okay. Uh, we've got, uh, I want to talk about some of the, some of the trophies that Marais has. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys... Full Cosmere spoilers here. We're going to talk about some of the things that he has. Okay. And what they are. Because, Emily, you deserve to know. Thank you. So, uh, tell me about um, the trophies. After we get to the giant gem hearts and the... the Okay, so he's got some animal things here already. They've got gem hearts, tusks. She recognized something from a white spine and something that's probably close to a santhid. But... Other curiosities baffled her. A vial of pale sand. This is sand, probably from the planet uh, Taldane, which is from the Cosmere story White Sands. It is as a graphic novel, and you can also read more about it in the Ars Arcanum. Okay. A couple of thick hairpins. Uh, so I'm not sure what those are for, but they're not bobby pins, so they're probably like... Ornamental like needles, um, weapons. They could potentially be having to do with hemallergy from Scadriel. Mistborn. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Why did you point at yourself? Because they're the kind of things that you stab people with oh, to okay. steal their powers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why did you point at yourself? That was a spike. I was stabbing myself. Okay. 
A lock of golden hair. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is some of the royal locks. From I was about to say, if I had to guess, that's what I would have guessed. Um, the branch of a tree with writing on it she couldn't read. I don't have anything for the tree. Okay. I got nothing. A silver knife. So the fact that the knife is silver would make me think it's from Threnody, which is Shadows for Silence in the Forests of Hell, which is in Ars Arcanum, and you haven't read it. I haven't yet. read that yet. An odd flower preserved in some kind of solution. Uh, this could either be something from Warbreaker, which mm-hmm. is those flowers, um, that they use to make the dye set in their clothing better. That's why Nelfus? No. What's the, what's the country she goes to in Warbreaker? She's, She's from, from Irid- Iridius. Maybe it is no, no, that can't be. I know exactly what you're talking about, but yeah. I cannot pull it out of my head. Yeah, no, it's got to be Nalthus. It's got to be Nalthus. Anyway, um, and then the my Not other Iridium. guess that is, is a thing from Stardew Valley. <laughs> whatever. Um, and my other guess is it could be flowers from Scadrial based on where they are in their history right now. Mm, okay. Um, the last thing is uh, that chunk of pale pink crystal looked like it might be. Some kind of gemstone, but why was it so delicate? Bits of it had flaked off in its case as if simply setting it down had almost crushed it. Uh, that one I don't know. I... Straight up say I don't know what that one is. Listeners! (laughs) Right in. Where's it from? (laughs) I was actually wondering if they were going to see the, like, um, one of the little carcasses of the little bugs that Risen got. Oh, a cheery cheery because even a dead... No, that's the name of it. But okay. Whatever. But yeah, even a dead one is worth tons of money. Yeah. Ooh, Emily. Yeah, I just... I was surprised it wasn't there. I don't know why, but... All right. Oh. Um... Well, now that we're done touring the room, which <laughs> makes me think of the collector's room in the Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> yeah. Tower ride, mm-hmm. uh, she is going to get her first task from the Ghost Bloods. <gasps> it's all coming together. Do you know the man named Amaram? <laughs> and she's tasked with spying on him. Yeah. And she gives her stage name. Which is? Vale. Vale! V-E-I-L. Which was just something she had been thinking about. Like, I love that that she had been thinking about this. I loved it. I thought that Original was so fun. Original character, do yes. not steal. <laughs> um, so... Amaram has a manor house near Sadius's palace mm-hmm. and has secrets inside. So he's like, tell Tin to investigate. She knows what I'm looking for. If she does this, my disappointment in her will fade. Which sucks because she can't. Unless, is there a way to communicate with, is there like a Ouija board? Do you think Tin would like to tell Shalon? Oh, yeah, sure. Do you know what? Forget it. You killed me. It's fine. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what you want to know. I'm saying it doesn't have to be <laughs> Shalon that does it. Just yes, it takes over the Ouija board and is like, don't <laughs> tell her anything. Just saying. Maybe you can talk to ghosts in this world. I don't know. Light spoilers. We have to read Mistborn's secret history. Okay. That goes the most into what happens to someone in the Cosmere when they die. Well, there is a person that dies yep. in Mistborn. Yep. And isn't that character in that book? And we see it from their point of view? Yes. Yep. 
you will enjoy it. Um, anyway, uh, so about Marais. Okay, so Marais is the name of the, the guy who's running the ghost bloods. Mm-hmm. And his right hand is very scarred and his fingers crooked as if they've been broken and badly reset. And he has a ring with the same symbol that Yasna had drawn. Mm-hmm. The symbol of the ghost bloods, which is yeah. three diamonds in a curious pattern. Yep. Um, there, I like this because... Like, she's done the impossible. She's gotten here. She's lied her way inside, you know, all uh-huh. of this stuff. And she knows absolutely there's no backing out. She wants to find out what's going on. And she is going to do whatever it takes to figure out how this is connected to her family. Uh-huh. And so I'm super excited to see where this is going. Listen, I apologize for how, like, unimpressed and unenthused I was about Shalon at the beginning of this book. This is where the good stuff is. <laughs> this is where it really gets going. Yeah. Um, so she's like, okay, fine. Yes, she'll do it. And he's like, you're not going to ask about payment. Tin would ask about payment. Again, Shalon does not think about money. No. She did, it's nothing. It's something that's never like mattered for her and so i think she's gonna have to remember to remember money more often in the future but she says bright lord one does not haggle at the finest wine houses your payment will be accepted <laughs> we're not worried about you what a good move <laughs> but anyway uh uh is she allowed to kill amaram while she's investigating no he calls her little knife yeah. like you're not allowed to harm her little knife or harm him and i'm just like is that why all of Tin's wards met a sticky end is because she was training them to be assassins and they weren't good at it? Maybe. Why doesn't she get to harm Amaram? There's the curiosities. Do you want me to help, do you, me to help you out? Yes. Do not harm Amaram, little knife, he warned. His life belongs to another. Oh, oh, I'm wondering if they're world hoppers, how much omnipotent power they have. If they're just like, oh yeah, this dude Kaladin's gonna kill him. <laughs> like they okay. know who Kaladin is. Is it Kaladin or is it has Amaram done something horrible to someone else? Mm-hmm. Or before? Sadius might be planning on killing him anyway, oh. and they're in league with Sadius. Yep, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I I flipped back because I was gonna check something in a prologue that is not the prologue to this book. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, she makes a smooth exit and leaves with a lot more information and a lot more questions. And Pattern's still watching. Following, Pattern said. The what? The, the <laughs> carapace ladies, yeah. yeah. People follow. You asked me to watch. I watched. <laughs> and he is not reading the room at all. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're friends now, right? Should we go <laughs> say hi to her? And she's like, it's like, it's like when, when... Syl was first kind of coming online, I guess, and she wanted Kaladin to go talk to Gaz because they were friends. Isn't that what mm-hmm. happened? So she's trying to come up with another disguise, another way to hide herself, um, but she's having a hard time drawing what she wants to light weave. <laughs> this is like basically her first draft before she goes. Emily, what does she end up doing with her stormlight? So, yeah, she can't draw a detailed enough person so she ends up drawing a wall and throwing up an illusion of a wall um 
which is really, really good, and it works. And this reminds me of the capes that look like rocks from Lord of the oh, Rings. Yeah. <sighs> but they, they're they successful, and they're able to make it back to the, back to Sabriel? Is that his Sabariel. name? Sabariel. Sabariel's place. Oh, something interesting, though, is that her disguise completely, her light weaving portion of her disguise is completely gone when she steps back through the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, so uh, and I forgot, We this was earlier, when they're arranging the meeting, the person says, oh, we want to meet in Sabariel's camp. And I was like, well, that's a coincidence. And then they're like, because his gates are always open. Which they would have to be if he is such a trader. Like, yeah. he trades things. A tradesman, a not tradesman, a trader. Yeah. And so... That we know of. Everything just, like, fits together so nicely. Oof. It's these little tiny details that just, like, bring me so much joy. Which, as you're, if you're trying, as you're trying to write stuff like this, sometimes, like, I'm just, like, I'm amazed by Brandon Sanderson of just these little tiny details that, like, build up and all come together so nicely. And it also makes me so angry that he can do it this well. So, would this count as a secret war camp that Brandon just never told you about before now? No, it was always there. So was Elokar's wife. Listen, listen, uh-huh. it's different. Oh yeah, it is different. Okay, so rude. I know. Uh, it's not a proper episode without me calling you rude. <laughs> so Shalon makes it back to her room, and she's feeling the adrenaline, mm-hmm. like the. Not the thrill, but, you know, something thrilling. Mm-hmm. And she's remembering, okay, back when she tried to rob Yasna, but she felt physically ill yeah, about it was, that. Yeah, it was so unthinkable. So, uh, she still needs an alliance with the Colins. That's going to be Adolin. She's like, okay, I have to find a way to interact with him soon. <laughs> but, uh... I mean, that's going to be such a hardship. I don't know if I can, like, do that. So... so <laughs> All right, witch prophesied. Witch prophesied. Uh, tell me about Shalon and Adolin's next interaction. Um, she is going to fall for him unintentionally. Um, but she is going to she's going to use him on to somehow gain access to Amaram's palace or camp or whatever because they're friends. Uh, Dalinar, Adolin, and Amaram are friends. And so I think she's going to use the Colin's um, acquaintance with Amaram to get herself into the into the palace. Because I think she could do it herself, but I think uh-huh. she will get further, she will get farther into the palace with the Colin's than by herself, even if she okay. had a disguise on. Yeah, and so my next question was going to be, how is Shalon going to infiltrate Amaram's house? But that's, that's I think that's good. how. Yeah. Uh, what's it going to be like going with the Colins to visit a house in Saudi's war camp? <sighs> tense. It'll be really tense. Does he have a house? Well, yeah, he has He's a house. A manor, house. Yeah, he has a manor house in the in the war yeah, camp outside Saudi's palace. Yeah. So I think they will take the back roads. I think that's what they will do, and okay. she will learn a secret entrance that will come in handy later. Okay. That's what I think. All right. Um, let's talk about Harold's and then we'll pick the song of the week. So right. 
for heterochromia. We've got a woman with a helmet and a man with a hood. Emily? Naylin. Yep. Is that Chichen No. Yep. It is Chichen Ah! Look at you! I'm getting better at this! Ah, so Naylin is justice, Mm -hmm. and Chach is obedience. Right. Yay! Awesome. Um, and, and... Justice, I think, is is the dude showing up to be like, hey, there was a crime. Mm-hmm. And obedience is she has to obey her father. Yeah. All right. Chapter 41. Nope. Scott. 40. Chapter 40. <laughs> I don't know this this one. This guy always reminds me of Tiern. I don't know why. Okay. Uh, you've seen him. Kalak. Yep. <laughs> Have we seen this one before? I feel like we haven't seen this one. Oh, we need to find out. Kalak is the the maker. And then, oh, you are right. Vedeledev. Vedeledev. I've heard the name. Yeah, because somebody's sworn by, by Vedeledev's golden keys. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Vedeledev. Okay. By Vedeledev's golden keys. She's a healer. Oh. I feel like... Okay, maybe this is me reaching way too far. She's a healer. I feel like Shalon is finally coming into herself and healing oh, her past. I love that. Thank you. I was going to plug her into Polona, but I like that. I like that um, Kalak, the the creator, the maker, because he's the one that teaches people how to soul cast bronze, mm-hmm. that he would be Sabariel mm-hmm. and then Vedaletev would be Polona. Oh, and yeah. That we've partnered them up in this chapter. But I really like that that... Shalon's making something new of herself. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, because the next chapter, there she is again. And who's she with? Yezrian. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I know he's the king. Number uh, one. Yeah. Dude. And he's head of the Windrunners. Okay. Which is a Kaladin chapter, so yep, of course. So he's about leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like the idea of Videladev's presence as a healer when... This chapter is called Scars, mm. and we didn't talk about it. But Kaladin wonders why the Stormlight hasn't healed. The oh, scars that's on right. His yeah, he's kind of not worried about it, but it, enough just, that it makes yeah. like a impression on him. And we also have that great conversation between him and Renarin about the specifics and the healing and stuff. So, yeah, uh, maybe Renarin's gonna get to emotionally heal by being in Bridge Four. <laughs> All right, Mere Vapors. We've got two of the same, two of the same woman. Shalash? Yep. Yep. And a final one as we go to the ghost bloods. Oh, this one can stand in for anybody. Yeah. But I don't. The Joker. The Joker. I don't know who that might be unless it's Medinim. Mraze? Mraze. I don't know where that is. Tip's hat. Medinim. Um, I can't remember who this lady is. She's Storm from X-Men. Why can't I, I? I know her face. I just can't remember her name. Is this Badar? Badel? Batar, maybe? Yeah. Pala. Pala. She is the scholar, and she's about mm. being learned and giving. She's the patron of the Truth Watchers. I feel like she's doing this because Shalon is learning so much stuff. Yeah. And then we have the Joker, or a wild card. Mm -hmm. Who in this chapter is a wild card? I think it's the Madeir. Okay. 
That's not his name. Maurice. Maurice. Jeez. Maybe when you get to know him better, you can call him Madeer. <laughs> Who decides... Okay, this might be a stupid question, but, I mean, I'm sure Brandon decides what heralds go wear, but I, I just wonder, like, if someone ever comes and be like, what, why, why wouldn't you put, like... Why don't you put this person on there instead, yeah. like, during editing? I don't know. I think that'd be fascinating. All right. So, next week, we are going to read four more chapters. We'll be reading 44, One Form of Justice. Ooh. Chapter 45, Middlefest. Oh! Chapter 46, Patriots. Okay. And chapter 47, Feminine Wild. Ooh, I'm excited about this. Uh, the song of this week is, what's the song, Beneath This Mask I Wear, There's Nothing Left of Me? Is it a Jekyll and Hyde? Maybe. I want to do something about disguise for Shallan's mm-hmm. use of light weaving. Falcon in the Dive. I don't know all the lyrics to that. I can't say if that's. I almost feel like there's a Phantom of the Opera thing. Yeah, but I don't think it, at least none of the songs that I can think of. Who uh, is this face in the shadows? Who is this man in the mask? Those aren't the lyrics. All right, it's giving me a song called I'm a Loser by the Beatles. <laughs> all right, you know what? I, I almost What feel... if we do? Masquerade. Oh, that's perfect! Masquerade! All right, this week's song is Masquerade from Phantom of the Opera, celebrating <laughs> Shallan's use of using light weaving successfully as a disguise. You didn't know you guys were going to get an all-Broadway playlist. Uh, well, um, I gotta get back to, I don't know, probably cleaning my room. Yeah, I gotta get back to packing for my vacation tomorrow! I believe in you! I believe in you! Wait, ready... Also, can I just say how proud I am that we did five chapters under two hours? I am very proud of us. Okay. I think once you cut out the all the dead space and stuff, mm-hmm. I bet it'll be 135. All right. I love you, and I believe in you. I believe in you, too. Ready, break. break. Emily's back. <laughs> no, don't do that. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, covering the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. If you want to hear me and Emily talk more, tune in next week, Thursday, January 26th, to catch our next Roswell episode, and then tune in after that, February 2nd, ugh, I cannot believe January is already over, for the next episode covering the Way of Kings. I mean, words of radiance. Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, for our opener and closer. And, uh, uh, the clattering you hear in the background is my cat climbing through the blinds, so I'm gonna go take care of that, but I hope the rest of you have a lovely evening. Bye! (laughs) Bye!